0: Luke chapter 7, 18 to 35, and it's on page 1001 in the Church Bibles. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves, because they had not been baptized by John. To what, then, can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all here this morning. Um,
1: turn to Luke chapter 7, and we want to continue in our, our series looking at... Um, this section luke 7 and 8 really revolves around the whole idea of salvation so let's have a look let's pray father thank you that we have time thank you that we have opportunity thank you that we have your spirit thank you that we have your words written down so that we can uh, look at it so that we can um, read it so that we can allow it to speak to us and we pray that that may indeed happen this morning As we look at your word, Father, speak to us through your spirit into our hearts, into our minds, Lord, into our very lives, so that we may grow and love you more and uh, walk with you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, you should have an outline. Um, And on the outline, I thought I'll start out, if you've been reading the passage or you've just reflected on it as we read it, I'm sure it's not too complicated to figure out what is the main idea that kind of runs through this entire section. Uh, that we've read this morning. So I thought about discovering one's expectations. Uh, how do you go about that? Expectations are interesting things, isn't it? We could ask you, what is your expectation for this morning? Sometimes you want to look at your expectations before you go into an event. Other times you look back and you say, what did you expect? What will you expect? What do you expect? Or what will, what did you expect? So we, I take it, if you look at your expectations, they're very weird things, isn't it? We all have them, we're just not always aware that we have them. So you may, any place you go, any conversation you have, you will have an expectation. But you won't always be aware that you have that expectation. And it's quite interesting to figure out if your expectations were met, you tend to be very thankful. If it's more than what you expected you are, amazed. If it's less than what you expected, you are disappointed, all right? You say words like, I cannot believe that person said that, that person didn't do that, I cannot believe this is happening to me, I am disappointed. So expectations is a very interesting thing, it's got to do with your heart, and your heart is this weird thing in the Bible, it's not just the organ that pumps blood through your system, uh, it's actually the organ that uh, is involved with every bit of you, uh, and it's involved with your brain. And now when I want to get into the biology. Where's Leon? Oh, Leon is in Canada for the next couple of weeks. So please don't get sick now. At church, you can when Leon is back again, you can fall over. Uh, he's in Canada working for a while. But it's absolutely fascinating that our hearts are very interesting things and not that easy to plumb and understand. Our hearts are deep. We've got deep expectations at. For some things, and some things we've got very shallow expectations, and that's okay. This whole passage is all about expectations concerning God's kingdom through Jesus Christ. I mean, the question is repeated twice up front. So, look at uh, Luke chapter 7, and pick it up there in verse 19. Uh, After John is uh, in prison, so I must just give you a little bit of the background. It's important. John was this great preacher. He was this great prophet. He's going to be told that he's more than a prophet. He was telling about God's kingdom coming and about the Messiah that was going to come, and he had great expectation that things would happen, and he ends up in jail because he dared to tell Herod that he's not allowed to marry his brother's wife. And here it is angry with him. He throws uh, John into jail. John has been sitting in jail. We're not sure exactly how long this is, but it's been a, cu- a couple of months, maybe, maybe a year. We don't know. And uh, he's hearing about this Jesus that he has told everybody about. And he's going about healing people and he's doing all sorts of things. But he is in jail. Hmm. So he's a bit confused. All right. He is saying, if you are the Messiah that I predicted, the Messiah, if you know the Messiah, quickly, maybe in your Bibles, quick recap for what the Messiah was about, supposed to be doing, and how powerful it is. Go to Psalm 2, very quick. So, you say, we hear the words, Messiah, but we don't have the same expectation, because we are not Jewish, and we were not living in the Old Testament, trying to understand. But, in the Old Testament, there's this whole idea that God will send a savior, a king, a ruler, one who will be anointed by God himself and will be unbelievably powerful and will bring in God's kingdom, God's rule, God's reign, God's purposes will come about. So in Psalm 2, just very quickly, look at what it says there in verse 12. I'm not going to read the whole Psalm, you can go and read it. It says, kiss his son or he will be angry and uh, and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. He's speaking to all the kings of the world, the psalm. The psalm is saying the world's in uproar against God and He's anointed. When the anointed comes, the best thing you can do is to run to him and kiss him. Because he's so powerful, he's going to rule everything, everywhere. So John is saying, hey, 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 yes, I've got a problem here. I've announced that you are coming, but I'm in jail, and I'm in jail unjustly. By an unjust ruler. So how is it possible that you could be the Messiah? It doesn't make sense. The things don't compute. I am a little bit disappointed. So look again what he says, verse 19. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? I mean, it's a very legitimate question, isn't it? He had this understanding that the Messiah will come, and he will rule. And he will put the wrongs of life to write and he will come and he will baptize with the holy spirit so again if you want to read the background to this little story you've got to go back to luke chapter 3 so we can't do all of that work are you with me so you can understand the disappointment here's the one he's the forerunner he's the one who's announced the messiah he's very excited that things are going to change life is going to become fair all the injustice of the society is going to be removed political injustice economic injustice social injustice Everything is going to change. We're going to live in a world where God's king rules and the good of God's kingdom is going to be present. And here I am in jail. It doesn't make sense. Are you? I mean, did I get it right? Did I maybe mishear what God was saying to me? Are you the one that is to come? And they send these guys out. So in this story, you actually find Jesus interacting with the different responses people had to John and to him because they actually go together. So that's what we'll see there are three little main headings and the first one is this one of john so he says i don't know are you the one it's quite shocking isn't it that the forerunner to the messiah is not sure that he is the messiah i mean that gets a little bit complicated but on the other hand it's actually very helpful for us because what is your expectation of jesus christ the messiah we'll come back to that just as we work our way through what do you expect the Messiah to do for you? John thought the Messiah was going to come and do that. And he says, well, he's going to come and judge. He's winnowing in focus in his hand. He's going to chuck the stuff in the air and the wind is going to blow the chaff and he's going to put it to fire. And only the good will remain. He uses another one he says the axe is at the root of the tree and every tree that does not bear fruit he's going to chop down and he's going to destroy in the fire and every tree that bears good fruit he will bring this is happening guys this is urgent so john has got a very urgent strong message and he's saying well i'm not confused because where's this idea that you are the messiah and is going to change the world jesus helps him because basically what john has got wrong is not the fact that god will judge and save He's just got the order wrong. All right? He has misunderstood the nature of Jesus' kingship. And that's what we are going to see. And so Jesus says, hey, have a look. So tell him what you've seen. And he says to them, verse 23. So he replied to the uh, messengers, go back and, and report to John what have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The death year, the, uh, the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor so jesus is saying to the guys who came and asked him go back and tell john i am busy fulfilling the mandate of the messiah as the old testament predicted it would be so if you want to go and do your own work if you've got a pen you want to write down something you can go and find those words almost verbatim in isaiah the prophet isaiah in chapter 35 3 to 7, and in chapter 61, 1 to 3. Jesus is simply saying to him, John, I am busy with what is expected of the Messiah to do. He is changing the world wherever he goes. He touches and new life happens. But the important little bit is, is that the good news is being proclaimed to the poor. So here's the interesting thing. Jesus' own reputation is at stake. And John is confused. And he's saying, surely you should come to set right the wrongs of the world, since you are God's Messiah. And Jesus is saying to him, what I'm busy doing first, I am healing and restoring individuals, not the society. I've not come to change the society now. I've come to save individuals and give them life as they hear the gospel being preached to them and they respond in faith. Now that's quite discouraging, isn't it? Jesus' first coming, says he, is not about righting the wrongs of society. It's not about changing the political environment of the world that we are living in it's not bringing justice between people it's not solving the conflict that you have with somebody else jesus step in and sort out what's going on because i'm obviously right and they're wrong so just sort them out jesus says i've not come to do that right now i will do that one day but i'm now busy saving people individually that's what i'm doing I'm not going to set right now the issues of this world. That's not the priority. Are you disappointed? In your heart, don't you want Jesus to come and sort out the mess this world is in? I wish Jesus would come, and when I have a disagreement with a brother or a sister, or my wife, which we we never have those, but you know, Jesus to step in and solve it, sort that person out he said i've not come for that now i'm coming to do that but not now john i am busy doing what the messiah is supposed to do he's supposed to bring salvation to individuals as they hear the gospel preached and respond to it i'm not now going to change the social structure of this world that can be very disappointing for a lot of people and i take it in our hearts from moment to moment that's what we do you see every time you look at somebody else and you are disappointed and you are more disappointed at them failing your standard and god's standard that you are failing god's standard you've actually got your priorities upside down from jesus does it make sense if you are more disappointed that somebody else, whether it's a leader or another person, is failing your and God's standards, then you are about you failing God's standards. You have misunderstood the priority of the Messiah. The Messiah has come to save you for failing to live up to God's standard. And the rest of the passage is going to highlight this a little bit more. But there's the major issue. Disappointing, isn't it, that people aren't more righteous. They're not more like me. (laughs) So disappointing. Why doesn't Jesus just step in and just convince everybody else about what the truth is? Jesus says, No, I haven't come for that. I've come for how you respond to me now through the gospel. That's what I've come to do, John. That's my agenda now, my priority. So the story goes on. Jesus then turns and says, Oh, how blessed it is that you don't stumble over me. I am not what you thought, and I'm not about the program that you hoped for. And we'll see that eventually in Judas himself. And Jesus recognized that Jesus was not going to be the Messiah he thought he was going to be. He turned away. John is at the moment doing this. This passage is saying, Hey, People are weighing things. Jesus then turns to the crowd and speaks to the crowd about John, and he's kind of reminding the crowd of where John fits in and how important John is and how they went out to John. It's a very interesting passage, if you read it carefully. Jesus is almost saying to them, everybody went out to John. From all over the region of Israel, people were rushing to the Jordan River, and he's kind of making a joke with them. He's kind of playing a game with them in one sense and saying, oh, did you go out there to see a reed in the wind? Now, we think, what the heck, a reed in the wind? What's that all about? Apparently, at the Jordan, there were very wonderful reeds. Beautiful scene of reeds in the river. And did you go there for sightseeing purposes, in other words? Was it nice? Was it a nice day out to go to the Jordan and hang out at the Jordan when John was there? That's what he's saying. So, like, you go out to one of these fancy, nice uh, farms and for the sightseeing, and it's beautiful. You can do the duck walk like we did last Sunday at Vergenucht, you know. Beautiful, the ducks walking up and down. It's a nice sightseeing. He says, Did you go out to John for Was that the reason why everybody rushed to the Jordan? No, it wasn't for sightseeing. Second, it wasn't to see impressive people with fine clothing and in palaces. I mean, John was this awkward dude who wore camel's hair and ate locusts and honey. I mean, nice diet. And he screamed at people You better repent. Today, prove that you know you need to repent by being baptized, by being washed, so that you may have your sins forgiven. And people were streaming there. Jesus says, "Remember why you went to John, because of that message. And on top of that message, you also was more than someone simply calling us back to God, because that was the work of you for the Lord's coming Himself." He was the last in the line of all the prophets of old of what it means to know God. He was the forerunner for the Lord himself to come. And I have come. I'm here. I'm standing right in front of you. Interesting, isn't it? Remember why did you go out there? Because it seems like people are like, oh, well, you know, John got all excited and happy and had it all in a fuss and now nothing is happening. It's like the army. If you've been in the army with you know rush up and then wait because nothing is happening everybody's excited getting themselves ready the kingdom is going to come it's going to uh, uh, uh. okay this is going to come and he says you went out there because you were all very scared and excited about john and john is greater than any other prophet but you have failed to recognize how great he is because you are not listening to his message on both sides. Forgiveness, neither, on that the Messiah is coming. And that I am that Messiah who is going to fulfill everything. And then he tells us in verses 29 to verse 30, kind of Luke gives us a little bit of an insight quickly. And in saying, well, there were people who did believe it. Some of the, the publicans, the sinners, those who knew that they were not good enough. They were very good enough. Now I'm told, if you repent and be washed, you can have all your sins forgiven. Hey, that's good news, isn't it? Yes! But the pharisees who said you know what we are good people and yes it's very good that those people go and get baptized so they can sort themselves out we are not like them we do not have that message applied to us how dare john tell us we are not god's people how dare he tell us we need to have ourselves washed because our identity, we are not his people. God does not accept us as his people. Who does he think he is? Surely those guys are wrong, but we are good people. We've got high standards, high morals, we are good. We don't want that message. Actually, I'm gonna read the next section, they actually started to say that John has a demon. So here you have this messenger, this great man, this great prophet this greater than a great prophet Jesus goes on, he's the greatest human being born of a woman. Now, you may not agree with Jesus. <laughs> Jesus reckons John is the greatest human being born of a woman. But then look at what he says. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. The one who does not stumble over me is greater than the greatest man born of a woman. The one who says, ah, I recognize Jesus as the Messiah, that one is greater than John. I mean, Jesus got a weird evaluation, isn't it, of how we evaluate things. And then Jesus kind of brings it all together in that last little section. He says, well, this is how this generation is like. You can never seem to please them. They are like children in the marketplace. You play the pipe, you play the flute, and the whole idea is, this, you, know, you know, those games where you do something and people have got to follow you. Okay, you don't. Okay. What you do is you play a game. It's almost like a picture, isn't it? You kind of act out the thing or you t- draw something, and people have got to guess what you do and get excited with you. So here we are, we're playing the flute and we're dancing, and we want everybody, all the other children on the marketplace, to come and dance with us. But they sit there and say, hmm, I'm not going to join that. He says, okay, let's, let's, let's cry. Let's, let's, let's sing a dirge, a, a, a sad song. We're not going to cry either. We stand on the sides and we are not committed. We will neither be excited about the forgiveness of sins, nor will be afraid of the judgment of God. Because we don't think it applies to us. Well, check it out. Stand on the sideline. Jesus says, that's what this generation is like. I take it that's what all humans are like. And then he tells us, for John, verse 33, the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. We don't have to listen to his message because he got funny clothes and a funny diet. And he tells us that we are not good enough for God. And God's holiness and God's otherness is so far removed from what we expect from one another That we cannot believe that he is saying what is true. He must be over his head. Okay, let's demonize him, because that's the easiest way we can reject him. You know that's what people do? If you don't like somebody, you know what you do? You're starting to question their identity. And you want to demonize them, because that helps you to distance yourself from them. You start with third-person language. That person, I can't understand why they will think like that. And then you stand a little bit further saying, seriously, something wrong with them. I wonder if they're not possessed. See how amazing our, our hearts are? We have this ability to do that. That's what they did with John. The greatest man born of a woman with the greatest message that God says, you are not good enough. But if you repent, I'm sending my Messiah to save you. And people say, mm, God Can't be that serious about sin. I'm I'm not that bad. I mean, I have my faults. I'm not perfect, but I'm not that bad. This guy is off his rocker. He must be demon possessed. And Jesus comes and he eats and he drinks and he does exactly the opposite. He doesn't wear funny clothes, he wears what everybody else is wearing. And he eats. And drinks and they say oh he's a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners grace in jesus christ's face Is way too lax If you follow him if you go to the pub You can't be serious about god If you go like john to the desert and you eat funny stuff and you you cut yourself completely off society because everything that john Does his whole demeanor says the same message? God is different from you and this is serious for you. That's John's message. Jesus says, well, God knows you. God wants to be with you. He wants to mingle with you. Jesus comes as one of us. He doesn't look any different. Nobody could spot him and say, oh, that's him. He just dressed like everybody else. Ate like everybody else. Talked like everybody else in that sense. Mingled with people because God wants to have fellowship with you. And they say, ha, no, that's, that's, that's bad. We don't mingle with those. They are worse than us. How dare Jesus go there? If that is what God's kingdom is about, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to mingle with the prostitutes and the sinners and the broken. I want to stand aloof. Just stand a little bit back. See how weird it is? On the one hand, I don't want to take sin that seriously. I mean, that's, that's, that's a bit over the top. On the other hand, I don't want to take grace that seriously because I mean, that will make me lax. I just want to be uh, sort of in the middle. I want a nice... Decent life, and it would be nice if we have a nice decent government who will give us nice decent policies, and I have a nice decent job that will help me to live a nice decent life. That's what I want. That's the kind of Messiah that I'm interested in—one that's that kind of doesn't accept everything that's wrong. It kind of tells the wrong, but not one that is really that kind either. He so mustn't be too worried about sin, and he mustn't be too amazed about grace it's just kind of you know don't go over the top man stay in the middle somewhere i don't know see how interesting this language is isn't that what you find people when you tell them that god is so holy that you are in real real trouble oh well i've heard that one before you know scare tactics seriously (laughs) look at the world where is your god if this world is so broken and the injustices just pile up day after day where is your god this awesome holy god that you talk about where is he look at the world that's the one side the other side he's so gracious he wants to be with you he's not he's he's not scared to get dirty with you in the ditch don't want that either that's it that's 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 too lax you know we're decent people you know we we've got our morals we've got our standards you see what's going on here jesus is saying that's what it seems like that that's what people are doing with the word of god when judgment is preached people say that's over the top when grace is preached people say that's over the top just let us be nice decent people do not stir us in any one of these directions We are not committing ourselves to this. And then Jesus says, verse 35, nice little interesting little uh, thing. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. It's a little proverb. It's a little, um, whenever Jesus is trying to teach something that he doesn't want everybody else to really understand, he uses parables. And that's what he's doing here. Little parable. Simply saying, you tend to see wisdom not in in itself, but you see the results of wisdom. After something has happened and somebody's made a good decision, you say, aha, now I can see that person must have been wise. But I can't see wisdom itself. I can only see the results of wisdom. And Jesus is saying, those who will follow me, it's in them that you will see what I'm saying. Interesting, isn't it? But I am the wisdom. So he's making an enormous claim here wisdom is you know what wisdom is wisdom is the ability to bring together all sorts of discrepant things in a way that brings about the best life so let me try and pull this whole thing for you together just very briefly if you've lost if you got lost in my screaming this morning let me try and bring you back listen to this weird thing there are two sides to the salvation of god john has got it right There is the judgment, and there is the salvation. That's true. John had it right. But John had the order slightly wrong, but also not. So it gets a little bit tricky. Judgment comes before salvation. But what the people did not understand is that the Messiah will not come to judge, but to be judged for your sin. And then salvation will be proclaimed in his name because he came to be judged for you. That's why grace is so amazing. That's what Jesus is saying to them. Isn't that? God will judge sin. And I and the Messiah have come to be judged for your sin so that I have the right to to mingle in absolute grace with the bottom feeders of society, as we would call them. For whoever recognizes that God's standard of judgment is way beyond what any human being even desires to have, they will come to me. They will not stumble over me. They will be the greatest in the kingdom of God because they understand how serious this is and that there's no other way than to follow wisdom itself which is what i am i'm wisdom incarnate i am the judgment and the salvation of god and i'm going to go undergo the judgment of god so that i may have salvation for mankind see how amazing this is all about jesus the pharisees were all about right and wrong that's what they were concerned about and how the kingdom affects and how things should be. John himself was a little bit confused about this. He thought Jesus was going to come and sort out the kingdom of this world and bring about the righteous kingdom of God. Jesus says, oh, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it in a very different way from what you think. I'm going to first offer individual salvation to everyone who comes to me. And then, he doesn't say it here, later on, when I come again, I will bring in my kingdom. The number one problem that me and you have is sin in our hearts, not the consequences of sin, of other people's wrongs. Neither even the consequences of our own sins. That is not our biggest problem. Our biggest problem is sin in our very hearts. And Jesus is saying, amazingly, people hear and yet don't hear. And so it's open ended at this stage, isn't it? And it hasn't reached a conclusion. Jesus says, here's the realities. Can you find yourself here? Where do you tend to go? Do you tend to go this way? You tend to be judging others for them failing to live up to your Christian standards, and you push them a little bit away from you? I mean, I don't know, where, where do you tend? or do you go to the other side? You know, well, God is so gracious, it doesn't matter how you live. You know, just say Jesus. It's interesting, isn't it? What, what do you expect of the Messiah, of Jesus? What do you want him to do for you? Jesus is saying, be careful that you don't stumble over me. Not over the concepts, over me, the person. Be careful you don't stumble. Because anyone who comes to me is greatest in the kingdom of God. So I am the wisdom of God. And without me, there is no hope. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you stir all things in us. This whole idea of expectations. What do we expect of you? Father, if I'm honest, there are times when I'm disappointed. Because my expectation is is that you will bring in your kingdom and you will sort out the rubbish in this world and you'll judge the wicked, the the really wicked wicked, obviously not me, and that you'll save those that are more or less like me. Oh, Lord, we pray that we will hear that our problem is greater than we can ever, 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 ever imagine. And that your grace in Christ is bigger and bigger and bigger and more amazing than we can ever dream. And that Christ himself has come to first experience the judgment on sin for us before he will come to execute judgment on those who refuse to believe. Father, we bow before you, and we ask you, in one sense, open the eyes of our hearts so that we may get to know our own hearts and so that we may truly see Christ clearer and that we may present him clearer to people, clearer so they may understand that he has come for them, not to change the world and make it a better place first and foremost, but to save sinners from their sin. Lord, I realize this has got massive implications for us to think through in terms of our expectations. We pray that you will help us and that you will help us to take this word out with us wherever we go. For the reality of what your word is saying is still true. Your standards of holiness is really awkward and way beyond anything we want to associate for too long and yet in your son you've come closer than we can ever imagine god would do right into our brokenness right into our sin right taking our very sin upon himself so that he may be judged for our sin and we may be set free won't you stir in us lord a renewed Thankfulness and joy and awe and fear for who you are and what you've done in Christ for us won't you help us to take this message and bury it deep in our hearts so that when tomorrow comes and all the issues of tomorrow come and all the injustices and frustrations of our work and our marriages and our family life and our societal life come that we will understand what is the need of every single person that we bump into it's not for a just society it is for the lord jesus christ oh lord please help us to get clarity in our hearts and in our emotions and in our expectations help us to find solid ground in christ jesus who is the rock on which we can build and stand in the fiercest storm and we pray this in your name
0: amen